Welcome back to the podcast. This is Mo, and today I am just excited about this person's story. They have been on the podcast before to talk about something totally different. And so to have them just be in their zone, in their elements, talking about their work, their passion, and just how they rise to greatness, you know, and this is just scratching the surface because there's still so much greatness abound in this person. And so it's the utmost honor that I reintroduce my dear friend, Dr. Timmy Tokwe Otukoya Omolengwa, as she, you know, explores her story. And it's such a sweet, serendipitous um, thing in the sense that we're having a birthday celebration for our daughter this weekend, and she's visiting. So um, I get to have her here in Oklahoma at the same time her episode has been released. And I had no say over it, by the way. My assistant, you know, killed all the episodes and it just happened to be that way. In any event, thank you all for your support for the podcast. It means a whole lot. And, um, well, enjoy the show then. Bye. Okay, okay. So, everyone, welcome back to the show. This is Mo. And for those who are joining for the first time, Thank you for stopping by. We hope you stay for the long haul. Today, I have one of my sisters, and I don't use that word um, loosely. She is a sister in every sense of that word. And I've known her since um, university days. She also serves as one of my mentors. Um, she has a very gentle, sweet spirit. And yeah. she's she's just, I have so many words to say about her. But she's someone that she's, um, she's genuine, and I can say that about her. And... She's beautiful inside and out, and she's got the brains to match it. So, guys, Aww. let me just try to do justice to her bio. You need you need several seats for this. She's a clinician with an interest in clinical and transitional research, and her overarching goal is to improve oral health outcomes in patients living with HIV, especially those who have to deal with other infections, what we call um, opportunistic infections both the infectious one and then the non-infectious comorbid conditions. She has been funded extensively. And I know this guy, she has an R1. R1 is like the mother load of all kinds of awards you can get as somebody <laughs> in academia. Like I was saying, I'm going to get my next year, by the way. When I get my R1, people will not even hear what. I'm going to hang my legs up high. I'll be doing my shoulder like, like you know, she's to show, just show you how really smart this person is. Because R1 is not beans. Anybody that, is, that knows R1 will back me up on this. So she's still funding from the National Institute of Dental and Craniofacial um, Research. And in addition to her research um, responsibilities, she teaches as well, both pre-doctoral and post-doctoral students. And she works for UPenn. Again, guys, <laughs> UPenn is one of those top schools in the U.S. Let's just even say in the world, she is someone of color, a female working there. And she has she's, 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 she has so many degrees. I don't even have the time to start listing them. <laughs> but she 
She holds a Doctor of Science in Dentistry. She also has a Doctor of Dental Medicine degree from UPenn. You know what? Let's just stop because I feel like by the time we just keep going, we're not even going to get to the portion of the conversation. Please, everybody, join me welcoming my very own sister, Doctor Temi Tokwe Omolaiwa, BDS, DMD, DSCD, Diplomate ABOM. <laughs> Sister, take your flowers. If I take the whole garden, who are we? Thank you so much. What well, she's not saying you know. is how with all the arrow one application, I remember this I'm like, eh, what did you what I do? You remember when I was asking questions? Quality like, of life. What, what yeah, the so this arrow one has plenty has plenty anti supports. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we know that, right? There's no iron research, but you are the PI on that, and that's you. You know, you put that together. So, congratulations. Thank you. I mean, I guess let's just start from the beginning. And I mean, for those who don't know you yet, I know you're from Nigeria, but let's just start with growing up in Nigeria. What what was that like? Like your family unit, and then we can talk about white dentistry and then go from there. Yeah. So, family unit. I mean, I come from a from a family of healthcare providers. <laughs> my dad is a dentist or now a retired dentist. My mom is a retired nurse. She was an industrial nurse, both retired now. And well, I don't know if I can say they're enjoying it or they're not enjoying it. I think they're bored, <laughs> but, <laughs> but both retired now. So, um, I think growing up, all I knew was really science. That was kind of where I was comfortable with. And, um, Somehow along the line, I knew that I was going to be a doctor, a doctor, you know, those kind of, I mean, I don't think there was any pressure from family. It just kind of came um, because that was what I was familiar with, you know. So I was honestly speaking, when people thought sciences were difficult, I had fear mm-hmm. of all the other, you know, non-sciences because that was kind of all I knew. Um So... You know, um, I remember now when I was in uh, middle school now or junior secondary school, you know, mm-hmm. um, I went, I had toothache at some point. So I didn't really get the flair for dentistry from my dad. I got it from, you know, going to a dental school, you know. So I, I went to Luth actually and I just saw this young looking, nicely dressed young doctors. And I, I said, you know what? I just want to be like them. So everybody was into oh, medicine. Wow. Dentistry was not so like I mean in Nigeria yeah. we don't go to visit yeah. the dentist like that. So mm-hmm. except you are dying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it wasn't like <laughs> we heard so much of I mean, apart from the fact that my dad was a dentist, I didn't really know too many people that were dentists. And because he was an oropathologist, all I saw him do was I mean at least the the times I went to his office when I was younger I only saw him teach students and look at slides so I didn't really get you know that clinical flair for oral meds I I mean for dentistry from him I didn't have that experience but just that my I was supposed to have gone to pull my teeth my wisdom teeth the teeth never got pulled instead I I developed a, a liking um, or a desire to pursue dentistry and that's where mm-hmm. it started from yeah wow for those i don't know i think she was being modest when she said she comes from a long line of health educators her father dr anatolio used to be the cmd the chief medical director 
of Luth. That is like, that's not beans, you know? And he was a very humble man. Anyways, um, it's, it's funny how when you grow up, the things you see around you, like the things that shape your experiences really fit into the adult you become. And you talking about your path towards dentistry is just a stark reminder of that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you went to Unilag, got your dental degree. What made you transition from there to the U.S.? Ah, and why God. the U.S.? Good question. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I, I don't think you had jackpot it, eyes. It, it's interesting the way life takes you. So, yeah, because you don't have jackpot eyes. You, I know that I know you're, no. you're not like jackpot, jackpot eyes. So, Sorry, for those that don't jackpot, jackpot is just when you leave um, countries like ours to see greener pastures everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually running. So, okay, let me start from this. I didn't think I was the smartest student when I was in school. I struggled a little bit, to be honest. I mean, mm. especially my preclinical years. Um, I used to remember, I remember those days during pros. Pros was our professional exams. In my part one and part two, I used to go under the bed and cry. I don't know why. (laughs) It was a nice place to cry. But, you know, that was me until my clinical years. Clinical years were much easier for me. But my preclinical years were difficult. And because of that, um, I'm not that person that just, you know, like I used to be so envious of those that would just, ah, okay, call a day. (laughs) I'm sorry, okay, to put you out there now. Um, but she used to be able to sit on her bed and study and I had to go all night and go and study with, you know, and I was so jealous of people like that. So things didn't come to me that easy, you know, as far as, you know, studying and passing exams, I really needed to put in those efforts. Yeah. And Tolani too. Tolani was one of those people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even though she was in pharmacy, she was... One of uh, the smartest girls or the smartest please, class. Please, please. So, don't don't spoil my bad reputation, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stop you know, it. Like, yeah, I used to have to work a little harder, you know. And so when I finished school, I told myself I didn't want to see the walls of any schools anymore, you know. I, <laughs> and that was what I told myself. So really, why I came to the U.S. was because... Um, I was trying to, I wanted to do a little more because when I went for my NYSC, I was bored. You know, I was working in a dental practice and I was just, the routine was very boring for me. You know, where did you practice? Was it Lagos or where were you? It was in Lagos. I, you know, I, yeah, I I was in Lagos. So, um, but it was boring. You know, the practice of dentistry that I was involved with, just the, Every day, you know, simple extractions yeah. and things like that. Yeah. It was very yeah. boring yeah. for me. I, in fact, I don't yeah. even know. I mean, it wasn't a very busy practice too. But honestly, I was bored, and I told myself yeah. I didn't, I couldn't do this for the rest of my life. You know. Yeah. I remember specifically one day I had a patient, and the patient had this white lesion. You know, from his palate, if I remember, to his oropharyngeal area. I couldn't see the You've lost of us. It. Half of the listeners have logged off now. Or I've killed Oh, sorry. So it's the like in, on, in the mouth, you know, looking yeah. from the white mouth all the way okay. to the throat, which I just saw this white, non-wipeable thing, you know, that was just oh. so extensive. And I got excited. <laughs> I really got I didn't know what it was, you know, but I got excited and I wanted to get to the to to the you know to the end of it. I mean, long 
I couldn't diagnose it myself. I didn't have that much experience, only for us to find out later on after I actually referred the person to my dad and um oh, you know, it, it, it was it was difficult to diagnose him because he just wasn't forthcoming with his um oh, condition we ended up finding out he yeah. was a patient with hr living with hiv and oh. he had um hyperplastic candidiasis which is a form oh. of yeast infection or thrush, yeah. yes mm. in but it was the it, it's not the one that is easy to to that easily wipes off the mouth it's different so the thrush usually oh. we use as you know the easily wipeable one but this is the one that is found in like immunosuppressed patients you know oh. and yeah so of course i got very excited to get to the end of that but then i'm like i'm not going to come and do six years of residency never <laughs> ever ever <laughs> so i looked online <laughs> And then I saw that, you know, um, then there was um, a, a Fulbright scholar. So it's like exchange scholars from usually university abroad that go to, um, I mean, I think you can have Fulbright scholars from African countries too, to the US. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There um, has to be a counterpart of a university in your home country where you can like do that exchange of exchange, knowledge yeah. and um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we had a Fulbright scholar from... I think he was in Texas who came to Luth then or College of Medicine to complete a Fulbright scholarship. I was already, I had left um, the environment as I've been, but I still, you know, my dad was a lecturer there. So I had contact with this person, I guess, because he had been invited for lunch at one time. And I just said to him, you know, I don't want to stay six years here. I'm Dr. Carlo Guerreco. I'm sorry. I'm not pronouncing that name very well. Okay. All right. So I spoke to him and I, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, you can, you know, if that's something you're interested in, you know, you can pursue it. And the only reason I wanted to pursue that was because, like I said, I didn't want to do a six years residency. I wanted to do the shortest course to get in a certificate program and all. And that was (laughs) it, you know. So that was that was actually how I started out. The plan was to, you know, come for a two year residency program, go back to Nigeria to Mm. practice. But that never happened. So you came here in 2013, right? 2012. What year was 12? And 12, okay. So you started as a trainee. And because, I mean, I want to just say that your path towards where you are right now is so very impressive, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know definitely the hand of God is upon you, but you also have, and you also applied yourself. Can you just walk us through how somebody goes from being in Unilag, which is also, you know, a laudable institution by its own right, to landing a position at UPenn, and you started at the very bottom of your career as a trainee, and then you started moving up, and how did you do that? Because I imagine it took a lot of studying. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, first and foremost, I think um, one thing I have to attest to is that um, if you've gone through the fire of training in Nigeria, <laughs> it's kind of... Thanks for our, our teachers, our uncles and aunties. <laughs> you know, training... Ah. In, I actually don't regret it at the end of the day because it paid off oh. for me. Um, oh. In that, when I now came in here, it was like I was just... It was it was so much... Hey, Ebola. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I was like, oh, really? This is how life, easy life ah. can be? 
you know. But we can't be telling our professors back home because they'll, be, they'll just make the things harder for people there. <laughs> we told you we had a purpose for your life. <laughs> so I I'm going to listen to this uh, message. You know, it's interesting because sometimes I hear myself saying, you know, all the students, they I, I know, I know, we become them. them. You have it easy nowadays. Back in our days. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. And, but really, I'm like, the students now have it so easy. They're spoon fed, you know, those it's times. Like, it's you know, class, classroom teaching was never enough. Like, you couldn't depend on just the, con- I mean, we were, like, we're told, we were lectured when taught. Yeah. you know yep. so like now you, you can't find to, the many pieces yourself exactly yep. we had to do a lot of mm-hmm. studying by ourselves or you know um especially for me my preclinical years you know like i just mm. couldn't get the concepts i don't anyway long story short <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah so starting from the bottom um yeah so it was easier honestly speaking my residency was easier it was a clinical training program i had it, it you know like Things were more paced than all mm. the stress and everything put together um, that I experienced in Nigeria. So the training I got in Nigeria made this a walk walk over for me as far as my residency was concerned. Now it's uh, different uh. when I had to do my GSCD. But yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but that's the- also another degree, guys. She has like, you have like two doctorates or three. Three. Golly. <laughs> three doctors. See, me that I'm thinking I, I like book. This one is Buki. Bukola. That's her middle name. Bukola. Not really, but she likes book. <laughs> I don't Sorry, know go that. Ahead. I actually think, so I, I, I have to be honest. I'm not one of those people that got into book because I like book. I told you where I'm coming from. Where I said, I don't want to be. <laughs> but your achievements are saying something else, oh, sister. Plex. I think plex, a plex. lot of them were circumstantial. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be honest with the process. So, like, when uh-huh. I came and I did my residency program and I finished, some things changed, you know, family-wise. And then I had yeah. to think of the next step, right? And at that point, I realized that, you know, if I s- stayed in the U.S., which, you know, for me, that was, like, you know, the option I had at that time, um, the certificate program without getting a dental degree was not enough, you know, mm. so, um, I mean, I had to say to myself that I needed to do a little more to make myself more marketable. Luckily mm. for me at that time, they had just started a new doctor of science program at my school and there was so some stipend help. involved. So me, I'm like, ah, it's free education, you know, like the I can get to for the price of one. Yeah. Uh-huh. They'll pay me some money. I need a job or I needed to earn some something to take care of my son, you know, and then, um, you know, so why not? <laughs> so it was like wow. I finished my, I mean, up until when I finished my residency, the plan up until like maybe um, six months into it was to come back to Nigeria. And when I realized I couldn't come back to Nigeria, and there was no plan B as to how to earn money, <laughs> you know. And this was yeah. like there. I actually was already walking towards it. Let me be honest, you know. Like it was a, oh, okay, something extra to do while, I, you know, um, I think in my second year I applied for it during my residency. Our residency is just two years. And um, you know, maybe maybe right after my first day, I applied for the program just because I'm like, okay, something extra, you know. 
Mm. Um, if he's going to pay money, I don't have to pay money for it. Why not? You know, and I was going to buy me time. Yeah. So that was really how I, and I got serious about it my second year. Like I said, I was going to um, finish and I had no other option. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I've done research because I, I had to wet my feet with research. I didn't have research exposures like that in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Not that kind of research mm-hmm. is what I mean. Bench side research. Yeah. yeah. So I, I did more like clinical stud, questionnaire based studies, things like that. But this was really yeah. my, um, my doorway to research, 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 you know, bedside research. So I, I put in for, you know, I had a senior resident then who really encouraged me and said, you know, he was mm. putting in for this research award from the American Academy of Oral Medicine and that, you know, if he could do it. So he got the award, right? So he said to me, Timmy, Timmy, if you can do this, you know, if I could do this, you could do it. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. These people have started again. They'll be pushing somebody. <laughs> but, you know, I listened and I, I put in, you know, some. There so my go. really getting my feet wet with research wasn't really so much for the DSCD, but was for me to see if I could get the same award. And with his encouragement, oh. I, you know, I did it. I got it. And then oh. after my AOM, um, after I finished my oral medicine residency, I was able to move on to complete my DSCD. So that's how I got my DSCD. Wow. See, we just talked about it. I see it was just, you know, I was going to warm up, but then I stopped at Sam's and all these. You like book. That's just, I know you say you don't like book, but this is somebody that likes book. But we can see, you cannot see, but that's fine. We don't have to agree. But I'm telling you that, like, for someone who likes book, I can sense, I can sense that, you know, uh, camaraderie, that kinship spirit inside of you. But that aside, no, I mean, now really, I like congrats. Book. I didn't used to like book. But, but not, you didn't used to like book, but <laughs> no. book found you. Because again, from clinical, from clinical practice to research and you just pointing your ways, I think the lesson here is that, you know, sometimes it's time and chance, but you have to be there. You have to show up. Mm. You have to apply yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you came just at the, at the cops when, when your university was launching that new program and, yeah. you know, that the DSCD program. But it's mm-hmm. one thing for you not to have been able to do your own homework, to have been able to, um, be eligible to apply and be there. Yeah. So again, don't discount what you're doing right now, even if it's not fun. You just never know. You know, whatever your hands find to do, do them more. I think that's the um, moral of the story. Absolutely. So let's go to your grant. Hey, I'm not liberty to mention how much it was. Yeah, go ahead. And I will let them know that the money doesn't go to you. Okay, for those that are listening, when we talk about the money we earn on grants, think of it this way. And I hate to use this example, but this is just how you can understand it. Think of us as... Think of the university as the pimps, right? And we are the ones that stand in the corner getting the money. The money doesn't go to us, it goes to the pimps. That is academia in a nutshell. We work for our pimps. So even if we get like $3.5 million dollar grants, which is what um, um Dr. Malayua got, it, I mean, she might get a little bit. So for those of you that might want to think of maybe sending her email to ask for money, the money That's doesn't cool. go to us. <laughs> it goes cool. to the university. Okay. We just get the credit, but we don't, the money, the that money doesn't come to like us. each other. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And guess what? By the time you're done, you have to go back on the streets and hustle for more money. That is academia. Why we do this for ourselves? I have no idea. You can see that no we, we probably enjoy a little bit of torture. So let's start with that. I mean, Arrow One Sister, how did you even? I mean, okay, for context, I have gotten some pilot funding from the NIH uh, and also from the Department of Defense. And Arrow One for me is like the next level, which is sometime next year because I'm preparing myself for it. Yes. But I know it takes a lot of work. 
It's what everybody talks about. It's a career-making move. Mm-hmm. Going in, like, how did you even get to that point of applying for an R1? And how has it been, like, even being funded? Because I know once you receive the money, it's not the end of your issues, you know. With, yeah. with greater NIH money comes greater responsibilities. Absolutely. You know, and you Absolutely. have to do the work. Yeah. So let me just walk us through how you got into that grant space and what okay. it has been like for you. Okay. So, I, you know, like for me, I like to be honest about everything. I cannot mm-hmm. just say, you know, I, I was there. She tells no lie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I have to be honest. So I remember part of my my DSCD program, like we have to do like this scale with like award grant writing, right? And I remember then out of all, I think in my class, there were three of us, two guys and myself. The other two guys were from Saudi Arabia. So they didn't qualify to submit to, you know, their KOA award. Because you had to be a permanent resident or a citizen, yeah. Yeah, yeah or a U.S. citizen. I was the only one that qualified. But for you to know how much I hated writing a grant, I just look at them like, it's okay, let me just pass because it was a course, you know. Let me just pass. I'm not submitting anything. And that was exactly what I did. They don't Plus, need Plus, everybody have money. Yeah. probably have the money already. Because the king is probably yeah. sponsoring them. Unlike people yeah. like us. <laughs> We got to get on that street, guys. The corner. <laughs> oh yeah, because for me, honestly, yeah, I I had I had a mentor who really was awesome. To, you that know, Doctor Kitoye or Doctor Sunday Akitoye. Yes, Doctor Akitoye was my mentor when I was doing my DSCD program, and you know, he at some point during my my research um, during my DSCD, he had to leave for a Fulbright scholarship, mm. so I was left on my own which but i'm grateful for all the training he had given me before he left so like i was by myself having to kind of pull through for a year before he came back so that was i mean that kind of led me to like learn to troubleshoot do a lot of stuff you know and things like that so i learned a lot of things but I won't say grand writing. Grand writing, I took a course and all of that. Yeah. But let me tell you, I told myself after all the fire of DSCD that that was the end of research forever. And ever, and ever. laughing now. I don't know. I I think I should stop saying those things because every time I say that, because I know you are also writing another grant, right? You're also applying for another grant after your R one. Yeah. Oh yeah. That. It's yeah. never ending. So, yeah. You know. Like the Koreans so, anyway, I and that was how I was but then as I was in clinic all the time I was having fun but I guess because now I had I had a research mind so like every time I had or I saw any trends in the clinic I always just wanted more you know like I need to I have I need more access to this so what okay so I I um I do part of my clinical track I do both um I, I, I treat medically complex patients and a cohort of patients I treat are HIV patients as well, patients living with HIV. Um, and we have a grant in our clinic where, you know, um, so we have a lot of patients who like underserved patients living mm-hmm. with HIV where they can get like free or to, I mean, reduced to free dental yeah. care. So yeah. I do have like maybe over 700 patients living wow. with HIV within my clinic. Wow. Yeah. In addition to other medical complex patients. Wow. Yeah. So we offer, you know, anyway, that's another long, long thing to talk about. Yeah. So I'm passionate about doing the more like those patients that on a good day, 
won't receive care. For example, patients with hemophilia, they have bleeding disorders. And because of that, you know, dentists don't feel They're comfortable very, treating yeah. them. Those and are I the kind of patients I death. love to treat, you wow. know, people that don't have a home. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's as far as dentistry. Um, so that's kind of the niche I've created for myself in dentistry where I kind of see medically complex patients and it's, it's a subdivision of oral medicine. So yeah. I do all the other areas of oral medicine, like pain, lesion and things like that. But that's really what I've really built my career on anyway. Yeah. So from this, my patients, I just noticed some trends, you know, like I was saying, you know, all those things that they were saying before, Kaposis Akoma, I'm not saying yeah, it yeah. again, like, you know, yeah. but then I'm seeing a trend of things like high caries, you uh. know, decay on their teeth. Uh. And I'm like, why? You know, I'm seeing these patients regularly, but still their decay rate is high, you know, and then I'm seeing that they're having all this, you know, hypertension Other or diabetes or cholesterol. Yeah. yeah. And I'm comparing them with my other patients. Yes. Controls, you know, I have yeah. patients that are, no, not even the, con- no, I'm even talking of the controlled HIV patients. Ooh, yeah. Wow. So my controlled HIV patients are the ones I'm seeing all of these trends on. Wow. And I'm like, you know what? Something is wrong. You know, the mm. other thing I began to see was also like neurocognitive impairments, depression or psychiatric issues where yeah. my patients will come in today. They're the nicest people ever. And then the next time they come in, something is, wrong. So you know, like swapped. they're very agitated and all of mm. that. Mm. And I'm like, you know, I can't explain what's going on. If so many of them were having this challenges and I began to search into the literature and I found out that yes there's some you know association between neurocognitive impairments depression and all these other comorbid conditions I'm seeing you know in HIV patients and so I decided to find okay why what's going on so that was what led me to research into this so me JJ girl I said I'm going to do a clinical research yeah Pilot observational mm-hmm. studies. So I had a student then, a fellow, you know, who came to work with me from Saudi Arabia. And I'm like, this is your project. Let's look at, you know, the prevalence Trends, of this, yeah. in, you know. And then I'm, I went to talk to one of my, she was my chair when I was a DSCD student. She was the chair of my committee. And I went to talk to her, Kelly Jordan Shuto. And I'm like, you know, she does HIV, neuro HIV research. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm seeing the strengths in my clinic, you know, is it, more related to their medications or is it related to their virus anyway see yeah making me talk about things i'm passionate about by the way guys she's really she's been glowing since she started talking about this i mean she glows naturally but if you see her eyes those those perky eyes you have when you're talking about something you really love you you won't see this video but trust me there's a glow sorry continue (laughs) thank you yeah so yeah i i you know i spoke to her and she was like, oh, very interesting. You know, I'm actually interested in like the clinical aspect of this is what she said to me. Hmm. That's how I put myself in trouble. You, <laughs> I love <this> sudden. <laughs> you said it to the wrong person. I love the sudden. There's this. Um, so I continued like with my little um, clinical studies, you know, like um, retrospective chat reviews, you know, small mm, guests. Yeah, you know. Anybody. All of a sudden, there's this RFA announcement from NIH for mm. this R1. Mm. And so she sends it to me. I just closed Jimmy. I'm like, she's not for <laughs> 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 And I 
uh, sorry, and for those that don't know, um, RFA is just like a request for fund, um, funding announcement, right? Yeah. Research funding That's announcement, true. yeah. yeah Basically true, saying, yeah. we have this money, this is the topic we want you to research. Anybody that has the expertise, try to apply for this particular yes. grant to solve this particular issue or, you know, research this particular questions, yeah. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I wanted yeah, to explain yeah, RFA yeah. for those Thank that were not yeah, so yeah, so she anyway, when she saw that I did not respond to her. She copied her authorities. No, <laughs> I actually I think she in, included the gin on it as well as You cannot get um, out of this. What's more? We had a clinical and translation. So we just had somebody move down from NYU, I believe. Yeah. To UPenn, because we had a new dean who was from NYU, and then um, he brought this person who was Dr. Pat Kobe. You know, she's been like I said. I mean, God has just brought my way people that you have helped. Have, you, yeah, he's used to like really because <laughs> this is me. I'm like a refugee. <laughs> the care is that I was writer. I could not like I went through fire and <laughs> and everything. Yeah, that's a limit to come and write arrow one. You know, and I knew that, like, for me, I, I thought even if I was going to start writing grants, I'll start with King. And that will maybe another 20 years, you know, in my career. But then after she put me in this trap, she was like, you know, I don't see any other person. You have the population. You have the training. Hey, I said, which training? Anyway, that's how we started. So I had to now put this together. So I knew, I understood what I wanted to find out, you know. I didn't know how to do it, you know. I didn't know how to put it together, which is an art. And it's, I don't know if it's an art or a science, but both of them, that people really need to learn, you know, in writing grants. And um, so I had the ideas. And so oh. this is what I kept saying. I'm an yeah. ideas person. You need to get the grantsmanship. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. Can I say nights of no sleeping? Oh, oh Lord. Just good old days. Oh, my God. Yeah, but then um, Dr. Kobe had an excellent team oh. such that all I had to really focus on was my research strategy. Oh. And so, you know, my research strategy was all I have to do, but, oh, my God, like... A month of sleepless nights for me was what it was. Because that research you know. even though it's like six or ten pages long, well, it's actually harder for you yeah. to write short because you have to be very precise. Your science yeah. has to be tight. That is actually yeah. one of my favorite things to write, but it's also the most stressful. I hate budgets. You know, take away the budget, take like away, budgets. you know, you can do the justification and the personnel. But the research yeah. strategy is challenging, but it's also rewarding. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And you know, once you can get that together and it forms, a, you know, a good story, you feel so good a, with yourself. So yeah, at that point, I didn't know what felt good and what did not feel good. I yeah. would just write, but Dr. Dr. Kobe was so awesome. You know, I was write, I was sent to her, you know, she would, you know, just go through it. So like, I felt like a student all over again. So mm. getting the right mentors is very, very yep. important. But then anyway, so we submitted it. We got scored. I think we got a score of 23 or something like that, which is the better. So the lower that your score, yeah, the, better. Yeah, the lower yeah. your score, the better. And, I was gonna say that. you know, 23, like when my, yeah, I got a score of 23. Okay. What, what does that mean? <laughs> and sometimes yeah. my guest score, it might not be funded. So there are two different it, things. Yeah, so like, you know, I'm like, nobody has told me they are funding me, so I don't know, like the whole school, like, 
the people that knew about it were so excited for me, even though I hadn't got, I don't even think council review had been done at that time. Mm. So like there are different stages, you know, first the scientific group will meet and then, they, and yeah. then you know, you, the council will review. And I think those are people, I mean, those are the people that make a decision about funding. funding but just yeah. with the score, my dean was like, you don't even know anything. Like this is funded already. And, um, and that was it, you know, for me, it was, it was one of those things where I'm like, let's just fulfill our righteousness. Let's just get this done, you know, so that these people get off my back. And so like, I wasn't even thinking it would be funded. You know, I was like, okay, it's a learning process. And that was all I did. Um, I wrote my research strategy. Like I said, okay, they just said, bring this or sign it. Okay. I sign, you know, like all the other parts that go into a grant. I didn't really understand it until I submitted for a second arrow one. Oh. That was when I really knew all the different Everything, things that yeah. were going to and, and it's funny how those experiences yeah. will come in handy. Because yes. when we think when we think about grant writing, the first times are harder. But this time around, when I'm writing grants, of course I still struggle a little bit, but not as much as I struggled in the first iteration. You oh, actually yeah, gain some yeah. skills as you go along the way. We never oh, we don't remember those times, you know. Yeah, I I, yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, um, so I've written through NIH grants now, of course, with a lot of because I, I, I one of the things I have to say is, you know, you, you you're not one person is not the expert of knowledge, yeah. you know, and, and I'm a junior faculty. Team. So yeah. Put together a team of experts that would bring in their ideas and would, you know, help you criticize your writing and all of that but of course yeah. i've always had to do like a lot of work heavy and lifting of myself but, yeah. yeah yeah but i i remember the last time i worked with modupe koka she's from rutgers she's excellent like i realized wow you know out of my university the people she's also she does hiv research as well mm. she's mm. from another university she's awesome I, so i've along the way i've met you know very wonderful people that right now i mean i still do sleepless nights i remember i still submitted yeah i remember last week yeah and honestly speaking don't tell anybody it took me two days (laughs) (laughs) i know what you mean i put a girl together like that i got funded so um grand dust over to you yeah i think sometimes that last minute inspiration you know Oh procrastination. yeah. Procrastination. Again, it's in your head most of the time. You're already thinking about it. It's sipping. Yeah. Like, you sit down mm-hmm. to write it in two days. Doesn't mean that that's when the idea came. The idea has been made. It's just oh, to manifest it and type them out into words. Of course. Of course. Wow, yeah. sis. I mean, <laughs> that's amazing. Congratulations on the one. I know this is just the beginning yeah. of great things. Without spending too much time. Let's talk a little bit about your research question. So you kind of alluded to it in the beginning. And so I did a lot of scooping, snooping around you. Um, so I know that you have multi-collaborations that you, the patients you're recruiting, you actually want to see some heterogeneity in your um, sample population. So it's not really from your own PDM um, clinic, but you're also looking at other centers like the Penn Presbyterian and also the um, Penn yeah. Center for um, AIDS Research. and. Yeah. Your question was that even in patients who have HIV being controlled, what's happening to them? And the issues you're seeing is not just on the surface. Maybe you would think maybe what they're eating, or uh, but it could be from the gum. It could maybe be the medications they are, they are on activating something on a cellular level to predispose them to caries. And I think that's really so smart of you to... Uh, it's one thing for you to see some issues, but it's another thing for you to observe, observe the trend and then try to even mm. come up with questions. Because again, what, what we do as researchers is 
we kind of have different theories as to why this is happening. But your research mm-hmm. is going to help you at least hone down to what could really be going on in a situation like this. Yeah. And but so far so good. How's it been, especially with the recruitment? Because you had your ambitious sample size yeah. of three fifty. I imagine yeah. it wasn't quite easy because so, you're not only collecting you're collecting sal- sal- oral samples like saliva, swabs, and you know blood yeah. samples every six months. Yeah. Take a look at the muscle tissues, carry rates. Yeah. I mean, how did yeah. you? Yeah, you know. It's interesting. Like I say, if you ever, if you ever think about, that's why, I mean, sorry, I'm a Christian too, so I have to, no, no not sorry. For that. I'm not sorry I'm a Christian. No. <laughs> I'm very thankful I'm a Christian. She likes to apologize a lot, by the way. So we're, we're still working on that story a bit. I tell her every time she says sorry, she has to pay me $50. And that one is getting longer. (laughs) Maybe like a million. (laughs) Cut me a million dollar check from your grads. Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, when, what I wanted to, I wanted to make a parallel, like a comparison and say, if God ever shows us the whole picture of what, you know, like if he says to you, like when he said to the Israelites, you know, I'm taking you to the promised land. If he ever told them what they had to go through, (laughs) 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 so I think it's the same thing with, you know, our daily life, you know, um, we always have something we want to do or, you know, a path that we have created, but then get into the path. So I didn't realize, you know, people will say, Oh, feasibility of the study. I'm like, what are they talking about? <laughs> okay. But then, um, you know, just daily, because I mean, in, in, in the course of my study, I've had a lot of staff turnover, you know, the study was activated when COVID started, um, you know, and, but I would like to say that, you know, just, um, yeah, we we set out to do 350. Right now we're at 143. Mm, nice, and it's yeah, a five years, right? It's a five year grant. We're actually in year three now. When you're going right to extend now. it because of COVID, so and all most that. likely we're going to extend because we're supposed yeah. to finish recruiting in February. Yeah. But remember, we have all this overlapping. Like, you know, because we see our patients every six months for two and a half years. So, um, I mean, it doesn't make sense if we're at 143 right now and, you know, we're saying that by 350, that means we would have to be seeing like 70 patients a month, you yeah. know, because of Just, the overlapping six months, uh, yeah. six months we go. It's a longitudinal observational. It's a longitudinal in nature. So, I um, know something. Ah. Yes, so, ah, you're good now. You see, that's what I'm saying. I'm a laughing with Abby. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it's, it's, I think the biggest thing has been, and that's what I'm saying. You know, people look at you, oh, 3.7 million. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, so today I was in the lab. Eh, processing <laughs> samples myself. <laughs> Why? I lost my research specialist a few months ago. You said, and you said. the workforce hiring has been an issue. Mm. You know, um, I mean, you find people that apply, but they don't really qualify. Or they're I know not what good you enough. mean. And There's a big train, issue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah. And they leave. They want good ones leave. Yeah. That's the thing. And that's what I wanted to say. Like, I think for me, you know, most of the staff members I've worked with are people that were trained by, you know, you know, the team, you know, like some of them were fresh graduates and, but very good, like, you know, very teachable and they became excellent, but then they left, you know, um, and all of that. So staff turnover Mm, has been an issue, but 
one of the things is that the study had never stopped. And that's one of the things I, I need to say. Like, even when we went down from like six uh, team member of like six, seven to like just two people, we kept going somehow, you know, uh, I haven't. Yeah. One thing I would like to say is, you know, people I've worked with when they're there, you know, they, they try their best and yeah. I could be little Nigerian pushy sometimes, but <laughs> we, <get laughs> we have to do the job. Done. We have the money now. So fi- finally on this issue will be that you, the, the implication of findings that we might, might gain new insights as to how we can provide better care for people living with HIV. Absolutely. Because for them to be adherent to their medication and their virus being um, suppressed, they've already done their part as patients. You expect that, you know, their overall quality of life should correspond with their oral quality of life. But it wasn't, you were seeing that mismatch and your your research is really to address that gaps, you know, because again, these are already underserved population. And what Mm -hmm. are the implications of having dental care is just in case if they go unchecked? Yes, I mean, the the greatest challenge is, I mean, okay, so it's multifaceted. So the first thing is if you have dental caries, it can cause you to have, um, you know, bad mouth odor. You know, um, if it's not progressive, I mean, if it's progressive, then it can be more of a problem. Get into the pulp costs you endless pain, even without you getting into the pulp. It's there's pain, pain and sensitivity with drinking water, Mm. you know, cold water and all of that. And and as it progresses, it becomes worse. It can lead to swelling, infections, um, and all of that. And Mm. you know, tooth loss because sometimes by the time the patient comes in. Um, you know, they, I mean, they have to lose, yeah, there's, there's, um, a, there's progressive decay such that the teeth are not salvageable depending mm. on when they come in, you know. And so sometimes we've done root canals for patients. Sometimes we've, you know, had to extract the teeth. And then when the anterior part of the mouth, like the front teeth are involved, then it affects, you know, the patient's, um, um, their, it affects their social, yeah, uh, it gives them yeah. a little bit of social anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Social so function. function is one problem. Yeah, yeah. F- yeah. function as in you know not being able to eat yeah. properly yeah. and get malnourished is one problem. But then they have a little bit of social anxiety, and yeah. then they can also develop depression from oh. losing a teeth. You know, so yep. yeah, those are some of the outcomes of which is why my new study is actually now looking at um, oral. Uh, like the association between oral health and depression and neurocognitive Mental health. disorders in HIV oh, patients. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. And I, and I, if correct me if I'm wrong, in rare cases, if this goes unchecked, it can also lead to severe complications like sepsis, which can be life threatening. Absolutely. Yes. Mm. Yes. Especially yeah. in patients that are pretty immunosuppressed, you know, yeah, progressive, yeah, progressive yeah. diseases, yeah, could lead, yeah. lead to septicemia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, most of the time, by the time people have, you know, local swelling, they usually will come to the dentist. So, I mean, I have maybe seen only one or two cases of, you know, cellulitis mm. and progressive um, dental caries leading to those kind of problems in the U.S. Yeah. It was a little more common in Nigeria. Than here. I mm-hmm. mean, I'll just say that you guys are doing the most I, I have a unhealthy fear of dentists. I don't know. I think it's just the way you guys prop up on that, prop us on that chair, that very vulnerable, um, moment. <laughs> I feel like just about to slice it. Like, I'm always afraid every time I go to my de- dentist because oh. you guys see everything. The other day he was telling me, Oh, you drink a lot of tea. 
you need to cut down your tea. I'm like, what's the point of what? Like, I don't drink tea. You know, <laughs> no, your tea is getting stained. I'm like, leave Same. it like that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, man, but yeah. if you can, if you can afford it. You know, um, your your teeth matters because. It, I mean, does. It, can, it can make or break you. So I know one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the, on the show, apart from gushing about how really awesome you are, um, is to talk about dental um, um, health as a whole and hygiene. Because you had listened to that episode with um, I did with Ola Bingui on um, yeah. and all that, and you had some feedback, which again, yeah. like you said in that episode, me and Bingui were not, Bingui and I are not experts when it comes to teeth. So I think this point now is kind of to correct some of the, the, the things we said about, um, I think um, there was one comment about how you can have halitosis due to um, the tongue, but they also mentioned that the gums too can also be a, a part of that. For those who might be struggling with bad breath, I know you had some um, suggestions about them seeing the dental hygiene, but how can we really maximize our oral health, Dr. Omalewa? <laughs> okay so um yeah one of the things i i encourage people to do is um okay brush twice daily you know um <laughs> people are not fun twice a day who has that time <sighs> yeah because then you leave all i mean especially if you're not brushing at night you leave all the food debris in your mouth yeah with the sugars acting on it bacteria acting on it and everything yeah. so that's a breeze breeding ground you know for for decay and you know all of that to happen so yeah bl- brushing and flossing and if, if you're not a flosser when you finally floss you'll be surprised how much gawk yeah come man. out from between your teeth yeah you know yeah when you floss. So, true. So, so true flossing is a, like the places your brush would not reach uh-huh. So make sure you you floss. Flossing maybe have tight teeth of... like mine. My teeth are so tight together. If not yeah. for braces, I probably would have been a regular flosser because you have to mm. floss your braces. And yeah. I can't do without flossing after eating because I can feel where the food is lodging. The food is right? yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, mm. that's very important. And mm. one of the things you know, because one of the cavities that are okay, our call carries cavities like we know it, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so one of the places that we don't think about, you know, because most of us go to the dentist when we actually begin to Have see interest. a hole. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, one of the places where cavities can grow very easily is in between your teeth, like where your teeth um, touch the pockets, each other. Yeah. And those not even the pockets. Oh the tight like the tight um, the tight spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the contacts. Yeah. The contacts of one tooth mm. to another. And those ones are not quickly seen. Mm. You know, I mean, that's why we take this. I mean, X-rays. if anybody's wondering why your dentist is always taking bite wings, oh that's God. why. Jeez. Yeah, that is why they take bite wings because those ones yeah. in between the teeth are not mm-hmm. so easy to see, you know. And so flossing makes sure that you clean all those, the interdental spaces to Trenches. prevent. Um, you know, periodontal disease, you know, that's gum disease, mm. where the attachment of the tooth to the gum, you know, begins to break down from, you know, bacteria in it. And those things, yeah. when when it's not treated, it leads to tooth loss. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, flossing is important to clean out the food, debris, plaque, bacteria within the gums, and also to clean the tooth so that, I mean, in between the teeth, so that you're not having continuous progressive, um, you know, bacterial action on the enamel itself that could lead to progressive decay too. What's your take on electronic brushes? 
And I'm going to do some mm-hmm. rapid firing questions. I have a couple yeah, of them. That's so quickly. That's what, what's right. your take on no, electric I actually believe, I mean, um, electric brushes are actually preferred to um, regular toothbrush, especially, you know, when people don't have good, I mean, like uh, some people brush too soft, some people brush too hard, you know. So for those that brush too hard, you begin to see your gums recede, which Mm. doesn't look too pretty, you know. And then when you begin to, when you brush too softly, you don't get out all the plaque from your mouth. Yeah, so the electric toothbrush has just the right pressure. Mm-hmm. For brushing, yeah, and then um, especially the small head toothbrushes are able further. to reach areas yeah. where you know your regular larger head toothbrush doesn't reach. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So true. That's so what my I, dentist told I, I me. I recommend it. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Because that's exactly what my dentist told me. Because he had recommended electric. Because the back of my teeth, there was something like growing. Like, not like growing, but I was not getting to it. And every time they were cleaning, yeah. he had more plaques. And he was yeah. like, you need to change your toothbrush. How about water mm-hmm. picks? So for those that don't know, water picks are kind of like flossing devices, but they come with water jets, like a pressure to kind of help you mm-hmm. clean the mm-hmm. What are your takes on water picks? Yeah. So, I mean, it, uh, with water picks, you just have to be careful with the pressure. That mm. you're applying. Yeah. So, I mean, but especially if you have space, a lot mm. of spacing in your teeth, water picks are, are great, but you just have to find the, the right the pressure. Right pressure. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yes. That, okay. That's important. Yeah. Bingbe had said she heard somewhere or she read it somewhere where the dentist said, if you want to brush, you shouldn't spit that right away. You should leave it for a bit. What's your take on that? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> what I say to people is, and I, 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 I think that's just, um, half of the story, story. is mm. what it is. So what you have to do is brush, rinse out because that, I mean, you're, you're not trying to leave the, exactly. the food and everything in your yeah. mouth. So brush, rinse out. Okay. For my patients that are, um, highly prone to caries. Mm-hmm. What I tell them is, you know, when you finish brushing and rinsing, then you can put some toothpaste on the occlusal surfaces of your teeth and leave that in there. The top. She means the top, by the way. <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Don't worry. I'll be your layman <laughs> interpreter. Yeah. I'm so glad I have students because if not, that's why I'm always talking to patients. And my students have to break it down for them. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so yeah, okay. so we can yeah, leave so it there. Mm, yeah, okay. but brush, rinse out, you know, take out all those yes, yes. from all the mm. and a roll from your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> or one last stockfish. So um exactly. one of the things I noticed was that after after I because when I was when I had my braces on, I couldn't really chew gum. But after I took my braces off, I found that I'm not even able to chew gum because what I did was my I had um my teeth was kind of like together. They wanted to push push it forward so I can have yeah. like a good bio, not yeah. chomping on my teeth because my my mm-hmm. enema was kind of white. Not and like chipping the up. yeah, it was chipping yeah. up because my yeah, teeth enema. were just like that. Yeah. My enema, that, that's mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. And then so now with my teeth, you know, aligned, I'm not able to chew gum. Sometimes when I even chew gum, my 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 jaws actually ache me. So what are yeah. your um your thoughts on chewing gums? You know, and yeah. I do that sometimes when I'm bored or when I just when I need to like clean my mouth I think I have yeah. a bad breath but what are your thoughts yeah. on chewing gums okay so yeah so I'm gonna review I'm gonna visit chewing gum just in a second please just let me finish with um you know toothbrushing so sure. I mean yeah remember to go to your dentist every six months that's you important people share. you and people then, share <laughs> use a tongue scraper 
you know, if you if you see that your tongue is, you know, like whitish, so the normal consistency of a tongue is pink, mm. you know, and your toothbrush sometimes is not able to get all the, you know, Gunk. your your tongue hairs will trap a lot of the things that you eat. There's hair on know. the tongue. Yeah, the little yeah, the tongue hairs like they're mm. called papillaries. Uh, I didn't know they were here, but I know that they have some upshoots. Uh, okay, wow. Yeah, so they are called filiform papillas. We call them, to- well, some people call them tongue hairs. Hi, What's sweetie. How are you? Hello, my love. Hi, Good to see you, love. Yes, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. Harry, baby. Hi, darling. How are you? Good. Do you sleep okay? Okay, awesome. Okay. You want to go um, to your room? What's your name, Jenny? You want to go to your room? Um, has out drinking okay. like 10 minutes? Okay. It's okay. She can stay with us. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So go ahead with the um, the papillas. We learn everything. Yeah. So like sometimes like when people are sick, you know, they've been on antibiotics and or they've been on long-term steroids, you see that those things begin to grow longer and they begin to trap more you know mm. more, more um colors and all of that like they become yellow black you know, white yeah so it's called hairy tongue when that happens mm. so really we say you know so while when people fast for long you know like um sometimes too you find that you know your mouth is smelly too and all of that so anyway um brushing the tongue is important as well Mm. Okay, so I, I just wanted to put that there that, you know, and a tongue scraper, if you see that your tongue is not pink, you know, a tongue scraper, the Dollar Tree sells it too. So if you, mm. I mean, um, you know, um, yeah, so and make sure you have... how often should we um, do our tongue, like scrape our tongue? Yeah, so I think it depends on the kind of food you're eating as well. Um, so look at your tongue. If it's having a white, yellow, brown coat, you know, mm. especially tongue... Um, Smokers, if smokers people smoke like a lot, they really have to do that like on a daily yeah. basis. But yeah. take a look at it. So I don't do my tongue. I don't scrape my tongue every day, you oh. know. But then I maybe like once a month because you know um, you want to get that I've been out. a little a little try to diet that is not working. Like you can see, <laughs> <laughs> you look good, sis. You look good. Thank All you. right. So back to the issue of chewing yeah, gum. So the chewing gum. Yeah. So um. Okay, so I'm an oral medicine specialist, you know, and one of the things that we treat in oral medicine is temporal mandibular disorders. What is that? It's um, your TMJ joint, right? Mm. It's um, your jaw joint. And um, okay, so let me just give a little background on that. So this actually is pretty common among middle-aged women, okay? And um, we've seen family families uh, like a hereditary pattern especially common among females in the family um so if somebody you know when when my patients come to me one of the questions i ask them if they tell me they have you know temperament blood disorder or muscle pain joint pain whatever is i ask them is there any other person in the family with this condition and so um Another aggravating factor is stress. So it usually would wax and wane, you know, in people where stressful conditions make it worse. Now, for people that are predisposed, one of the things that really would aggravate this is chewing gum. So the first thing I say to my patients is stop chewing gum. I mean, if you're a gum chewer, stop chewing gum because it really does aggravate 
the judge. Actually, you know, one of the things that will happen, have you ever chewed gum? And then at the end of the day, you can't oh, really, yes, like yeah. when you try to block, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. So like you're activating your muscles, you know, sometimes, you know, the continuous chewing movement causes some inflammation in the joint space as well, wow. called capsulitis. Yeah. Life but most of the time, What's the joy in life again? We can't chew gum, we can't have tea, we can't drink coffee. <laughs> You if people. you want to chew gum for freshening, you yeah. know, I mean, I say use alternatives strips. like yeah. strips or, you know, breast strips or things like that. Mm. Or if you want to chew, chew for like a minute, you know, and But the strips doesn't go off until after like two minutes <laughs> and I pop like three yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the problem is that in a lot of like, so for me, I wouldn't really say I have TMD. Uh, maybe I do because once in a while I have a little click in. Mm-hmm. Once in, when I'm stressed, I clench or like when I'm focusing on something, I clench. So sometimes my muscles are activated. But once I chew gum personally, thank God mm-hmm. I know how to treat it is a nightmare. So I kind of empathize with my patients. I know yeah. what they're, what they're going through. And for those that, and I mean, I have to say some people, it really affects their quality of life. It's, it's quite, yeah, it's quite it, painful because it, it, it's true. You, know, you have to chew to eat, right? You can't yeah, like so, not do without it. Yeah, so they will tell you when they're chewing, when they are talking, when they are yawning, they're in pain, you know. And so, yeah, so, you know, before people get there, at least little things. I mean, of course, if that's a problem, see an oral medicine specialist, there's a part of oral, of dentistry, there's a specialty that treats it and they can help with your quality of life. So see an oral medicine specialist. It wasn't an accredited. So let me just... um do a little, what do you call it, Bonanza, shout disclaimer. out, whatever. Oh, shout <laughs> no, out. Oh, um, uh, let me follow my out. profession a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you want to speak, um, like you want to say something commendable about your profession. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to your profession. Yeah. I want to speak for my profession or my specialty. So oral medicine is uh, a, a specialty in, in dentistry that in the U.S. for many years was not accredited by the American Dental Association. It just was recently in the past two years, but it's been around for many, 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 many years. And, you know, we're that part of dentistry that a lot of patients would have gone to many of their dentists or many of their specialists, rheumatologists, sometimes dermatologists, sometimes, you know, looking for answers. The little things like burning mouth syndrome. I had a patient, and I'm sorry, I, I digress a little no, bit. No, it's fine. But Just I had a ahead. patient that came to me one day with her husband. This woman, I don't know what her profession is, but when I saw her later on, I couldn't believe she was the same person that came to my office that day. She said to me, I'm just experiencing this pain. I can't touch it. Nobody can see it. It's just on my face. I can't, you know, and she was just in a very bad place. You know, I think she had done a root canal on the tooth. The pain didn't go away, you know, and she said, everybody thinks I'm crazy. And her husband was there and you could see on his face that he really thought something else was wrong with his wife. And she just had, she had um, a typical neuralgia. And, you know, she has been of the nerves, by the way. Mm. Yeah, it's, is it trigeminal yeah, nerve it, or which of the nerves? Was it's it? not. It's not exactly the. So there's trigeminal neuralgia. That one is different. That one is yeah. even like another. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, that yeah. one can make somebody look like a mad person. The degree of the, the pain is short shooting, but in that time, like just little things like touching the face, 
brushing, putting a brush in your mouth can trigger the trigeminal neuralgia. We have a typical neuralgia, which is different, you know. Um, usually patients will have complained of toothache or something like tooth pain, like there's just this pain, it doesn't go away. And then though they've had various treatments and the pain, sometimes people, I've had a patient had root canal on every single tooth because uh-uh. once the pain is finishes here, the, and they do root canal, That's the pain will jump, you know, and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> When people don't see what is wrong and they, and that's why we uh, say, you know, I, I say out there now, you know, there is a specialty. If you, if your dentist says to you, I can't find the source of your pain. I've looked at your tooth. If you want to get a second dental opinion, a, a second dentist opinion, go ahead and get a, a second opinion. If they still say, because sometimes we miss things, you know, as dentists, oh, yeah. you know, if you've gotten a second opinion and they still haven't found the source of your pain, don't insist on treatment. Ask to see an oral medicine specialist. Hmm. I didn't even know there was a difference. Yeah. I didn't know there was a difference. Thank you for mm-hmm. that education. For those that might be listening, and we hope that was helpful. Finally, mm-hmm. finally, I know one of the things you also do is teaching in the classroom. And this yeah. is going to be two questions in one. How is, how do you complement your teaching with your research and have been able to balance it? And where would you say you have the most satisfaction or more, more utility? I know all of them are important. That's one yeah. question and I'll ask yeah. the other one afterwards. It's interesting. It's a good mm. question. You can see me light up when I talk about my patients. <laughs> I only see patients one, one day a week. Mm. I love my research because yeah. it gives me I think it, it, it feels like it gives me freedom to express myself to the uttermost, uh, you know. <sighs> Education. Hmm. <laughs> it's a yeah, whole new it. emotional it's band a, with it's that It's an required. educational process. <laughs> <laughs> I don't point it there. You know what? I'll 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 be honest. You know, I just see that it's things are different. You know, maybe my expectations of students sometimes is different from what I get. But then I also have excellent students, you know, like I have students that, you know, I'm so happy to be a teacher, uh, you know, like sometimes when I yeah when i see my students and like one of the things i think the biggest thing for me has been my students that have left and have come back i remember one Uh. of my students is in the military so tough guy you know and all that one day he just ran to my office i think after two or three years of graduation and he was like i'm just i'm running to catch a train but i need to see you can i give you a hug i'm like Uh. okay (laughs) and he was like Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, and he's like, you know, I'm out there. He's in the military. So he's in an improper dental setup, working with wounded soldiers and, you know, Mm. and all of that. And he's Mm. like, I'm seeing all this medical complex cases and I'm able to work in the most unideal settings and apply the knowledge I've gained from you. That brought Mm. tears to my eyes. So like when I think the satisfaction comes, you know, but then um, we have to be honest, things are different as far as, you know, expectation of students. Um, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I guess I still have my expectations of what learning should be like, you know, and the fact that people should, you know, when you're in a profession like a humanity profession or like in the health 
um, sector that you really are part, like it's, it, yes, yeah, so it's hardly about you, you know. Um, sometimes I expect that my students are, you know, ahead of the game and all of that. So, but maybe I have too much expectation sometimes. That's it could also be, to- it could also be, um, like a difference in like, you know, um, generational gaps, of course, and then our culture as well being so different, right? Yeah. 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 And I speak to some of my other colleagues as well that don't have, well, I won't say, cause when I speak to some of my colleagues, it's interesting that we had similar training and they, uh, they trained here in the US, but many, many. And it's so ago. different. Maybe it's then, then, maybe it's generational gap. And I will say I that this is one of the, um, we have a WhatsApp group where I've yeah. just found community there. I mean, she yeah. and then one other person, shout out to Dr. Otito Chuko. Yeah. for just being oh, awesome. Sister, sister. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, you guys, you have no idea the things we go through. We're in different universities, but sometimes the issues are similar. So I guess this brings me to my last question. How have you been able to develop resilience in a workplace? Because I know for a fact that you haven't had, you've had your shares of, you know, some of, you know, some things that will make you grow and learn more. But what would you say some yeah. tips, tips that have helped you to, you know, thrive in a place that, number one, let's be very clear, UPenn is not really known for its diversity, right? And uh, that also comes with a lot of challenges because sometimes you feel like as the person of color, you have to be the one over teaching people how to be culturally sensitive, which that burden should be, shouldn't be on us. But then there's also that sense of otherness, right? You you was trained in Nigeria, came here, and you're female, you're you're black, and so many other layers that we can't even start using now. But how have you been able to develop resilience? What are some tips you can you know leave for us, especially for women in, in academia or women in spaces that are um that that are under um represented? Yeah. So I I like to start by saying that you know um one of the things and honestly speaking. Penn Dental Medicine. I don't know about other parts of um, Penn. When I came in a few years ago, yes, it was not a very diverse environment. But I know that in recent times, one of the things that they do is, you know, um, when they do, uh, is it faculty assessments or whatever, whatever, you know, when they do reviews, one of the things they do is they give you, they always plot a graph and I always see that graph and it makes me smile. And they're looking at how many male do we have in the school? How many female? And really initially the male female ratio initially was like very interesting, but um, shout out to my chair really. And honestly, Dr. Tom Solcido, I think he was the first, we were the first department that really like in my department, we have three Nigerians, um, two oh. female, one male. We have um, an Asian person or two Asians, an Indian and a Japanese. Oh, no, two Indians, Japanese. So, like, our, we have, I think right now in my department, we have more females than we have male. And we have a lot of minorities in my uh, department. Uh. So, um, I know, th- I think it's something that was a challenge. And um, they have been, they're conscious, it's like, you know, they're actually making conscious effort to increase the diversity um, among, with students, we have a lot of diversity, you know, but they've been working to to increase diversity among faculty. So one thing I would say is in my department for the longest time, it was a safe space because I didn't feel, I really, up until now, 
I never have felt the difference in being a female or being a person of color within my department. Uh, uh, Where I had the challenge was actually outside my department, uh, you know. And um, I would say that it was... (laughs) The good thing is, you know, I have a chair that I can talk to. And um, having that support for me, like I, you know, was very important. Um, my chair, like when I faced a few things, um, uh-huh. and I, honestly speaking, like I was about, like, <laughs> that's uh-huh. I was smiling when you say I'm gentle. <laughs> I was gentle. <laughs> you can be a gentle lion, don't worry. We you understand. Know? So uh-huh. I used to be a very gentle person, but like, you know, there's sometimes now with, you know, the experiences, the microaggression sometimes oh, and the macroaggression, you know, like, it, like it's sometimes like, um, one of the things I found out is be gentle, be, you know, be nice, be, be everything, yeah. but be firm. Yeah. You know, be firm. And I remember, you know, my chair actually saying to someone, she said, I know she can speak for, for herself. She needs to learn to speak up for herself. Uh, you know, uh, like, this is about, you're saying about you. That, that was something you said about, about you. me. Yes. Oh. Yes. That I could learn to speak up for that. They know I can. So I should learn to, you know, and it was a good lesson for me because, yeah. you know, you know, I was that, let me put it this way. I felt like that child that I always had to run to my child. Oh, to to mommy. Yeah, yeah. You learn. Yeah. You know, but he would help me out and give me some, I mean, advice on how to tackle uh, it, you know, but I think one of the things I've had to do recently, I mean, I still go to him, but I go to him after the fact. I tell him, well, this is how I handled it. <laughs> you yeah. know, And, um, it's important that, you know, you make it like, I know we're nice people, especially trained in Nigeria to be very respectful and all of that. But if we're not careful, people take advantage of your being nice, uh, yeah, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. we need to like, just stand for, you know, do what is right, stand for what is right constantly. And, um, you know, like, don't be afraid to speak the truth and to like, don't, don't be someone that, you know, would move your, your, um, what you've, what the things that have made you successful. Like, don't be someone that would always bend the rules for, you know, I don't, don't compromise. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. Yeah. Don't be some, yeah. I mean, be collegial, you know, and all of that, but don't compromise on things that you know that are, because when if push comes to shove, you can say I followed all that I needed to follow. I did all that I needed to do. I was collegial as well. But if this is, you know, I, I could put out my. I mean, I remember I had to recently face some, you know. <laughs> let me just let me just hang it there. No, 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 no. What's here? <laughs> ah, I mean, thank you for sharing that. I, I, I. I I don't even doubt that you've probably gone through your own issues of, you know, having to deal with this kind of levels of aggression in the workplace and then imposter syndrome. I think what I would like to add to that would be believe that however you got to where you are, because I believe that you worked your boy off, you belong there. And that's why I think sometimes representation matters. Not just, you know, color talking, put you know, another color in the wheel. If they're qualified, just hire them. But there's something about just safety and seeing people like you doing, you know, that you can look up to and that you can walk alongside with, right? And so for those who might be listening, if you're in a space where it feels like you're the mm-hmm. only one, 
just you know find your people find your network of supporters and keep working hard and it's gonna pay off oh, yeah, yeah. It, it might be hard sometimes to be able to almost like translate what you're going through into words because people around you can be quite weird um but we're doing yeah. it it's academia is quite rough but we're still here and 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 yes uh, oh well thank you so much sis this was i feel like i could just keep talking to you on and on about just your passion your um your love for research and of course you know the challenges you've had in the workplace and just the the next steps you've talked about as far as looking at you know oral health and um, psychiatric comorbidities But just in case, for those that might be um, interested to learn more about you, where can they find your work? <laughs> <laughs> just Google on Google. She's the only one. Yeah. <laughs> she owns no, the whole actually, page of Google. There are two people with my name, actually. My professional really? name. Yeah, there are two people. So I oh, think wow. one person is into fashion or something like that. That's not me. I'm not that slim. Yeah, I was trying to say that. The moment I typed in, I'm page number one. Like, you had the whole page. Serious? You know, Google has, like, page one of two. Nobody clicks on page number two because that's where the dead bodies are living. But even when I clicked on number two, you're still, you're still there. I'm on number three serious? now. You're still there. Yes, you own that name. Yeah. I haven't seen anybody yet. I'll come really? to my own Google search. Oh, as of today, at time of this year. No, there too. When I search my name, because sometimes I'm looking for like some information yeah, about me. Yeah. And when yeah. I search myself, there are two people that come up. I mean, there's yeah. me and there's another. I think she's in Ghana or something like that. Okay. But you know, she has the lab coat on and she's researching, researching. You know, you, you can't miss it. And it has UPenn and all of her... Her name has like extra um letters and characters because she's very, very well decorated. Well, but thank you. Thank you for thank just your time you. today. Thanks it's, for having me. Nice. And I'm super excited to actually have you on, on a different capacity. And I can't even wait to see what the future brings to you and um, keep going. You. And thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you for being oh, inspirational as always. Thank you. Can I just add, please have a support group. So this sister oh, here yeah. is one of my support groups. You know, <laughs> honestly, have a support group. You know, yeah. um, there we'll have to be honest. I'm and, and I'm just being very honest about it. There are days that I've got home, and I mean, I don't know if it was between blood pressure and tears and <laughs> things like that. Uh. <laughs> you know, but then it's not my everyday. And you know, those days I've been able to reach out to my sisters. You yeah. know, on our support group, I just say. Hey, how do you do this way again? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I know I mentioned, I mean, and like I said, I don't think, I feel like I have it a little easier because, you know, I have, I, the dean really tries, the current dean we have is really supportive of junior faculty. I have a That's chair good. that is supportive. Yeah. I have, you know, people within my department that have been supportive, but it doesn't immune you from the challenges of the workplace still, you know. And, you know, um, sometimes people don't get, because I, honestly speaking, sometimes I feel like I have to work so much more harder than my colleagues, you mm. know, to get the little that I feel like I get, if I can put it that way, you know, um, and you have to so, work twice as hard to get half of what they get. Yep. Yeah. That, that's how yeah. we feel sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, just being able to have people to talk to and, you know, that will say to you, listen, 
it's not only you pele it's okay yeah, but yeah. you know and then give you strategy it's not just the pele aspects <laughs> <laughs> yes yes definitely yeah let's you know strategy do this you know yeah, that's so true, so true. And I'll say, I'll give that back to you too. She's one of my supports. I still even came yesterday with some issues and they were able to help me tease it out. And you can't do it alone. You need people who speak your language. You need a space where you can say what you want to say and not have to like, you know, be fear of being cancelled. This is what I get from the sisters. Like they will, they can read between the lines if needed. And I can't even imagine how I will have survived so far without this kind of people in my life. You cannot do it alone. Wherever you might be, you might not even be academia. You know, you need support. You shouldn't do life alone. And thank you so much for that reminder, sis. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. We hope this has was a reminder to go see your dentist. They recommend every six months. This dentist people. Mm. Some fun facts. I was thinking about dentists. One, they actually invented the electric chair, which is not surprising. And then guess what? If you something happens to you mysteriously, you disappear. Guess how they can find it find out if you are the person they use your dental dna so yep. you need to, able to <laughs> populate the database guys just in case you go missing so we can find you hopefully alive and not dead and catch your killer if you're dead you know help <laughs> us help you is what i'm trying to say you know go see your dentist and log in some data points and in any event we hope to, we hope you enjoyed this episode and catch you guys on another episode of the Mosimo podcast i'm in your host Mosimo. bye for now all right mm. sis oh how do you feel thank you so much <laughs>